Welcome to Happy Hour with Julie and Liz. So, Liz. Yes. Our, I, the good news that we always start our podcast, Happy Hour with, um, comes from Joe Biden's speech on Thursday night. And you're going to be super excited to hear this news. Oh, I'm always excited to hear what Joe Biden has to say, Julie. So if we all do what Joe Biden tells us to do, because what Joe Biden is told to tell us to do, if we do everything in four months on Independence Day, of all things, the 4th of July, according to Joe Biden, we can get together for a small barbecue outside to celebrate the 4th of July. Hallelujah. That is so gracious of him to allow us to celebrate our independence from chains in four months. I can't so hardly wait. I, I I don't I know I speak for you too, Julie, when some of us have been operating under the assumption that we're free people for a, for a year. But okay. How silly. That's just silly talk. We're not. But don't don't break out the weenies yet and the potato salad and the watermelon just yet because there's the possibility that we don't do what we're told. The 4th of July Biden barbecue will be canceled. So let's right. hear what he said in his speech on Thursday. If we do all this, if we do our part, we do this together. By July the 4th, there's a good chance you, your families and friends, will be able to get together in your backyard or in your neighborhood and have a cookout or a barbecue and celebrate Independence Day. That doesn't mean large events with lots of people together, but it does mean small groups will be able to get together. <laughs> After this long, hard year, that will make this Independence Day something truly special where we not only mark our independence as a nation, but we begin to mark our independence from this virus. Go fuck yourself. Wow. Can you imagine having the balls to say that to 330 million Americans? Not a large barbecue, Julie. You know, a small one. It. This is so disturbing, um, the way that this is presented as just... A, re- a reasonable thing that in no way would anyone find offensive, especially because now that they have the vaccine, they're really running out of pretenses. Yes. You know, if somebody has a vaccine, then why wouldn't they be able to just go about their business? If you are concerned about, you know, people dying from the virus, why wouldn't someone who's vaccinated be allowed to meander about? There's no reason. I mean, what are they saying there's a reason that you it doesn't matter if you're vaccinated? Well, first of all, let's just dismiss this whole idea that every adult should be vaccinated. That's not every adult. Most adults, especially young adults, do not need to be vaccinated. And now we're hearing. I mean, I've heard this personally, I'm sure you have too, and now it's being reported of severe side effects from the second shot. And so to force people to take vaccines, Joe Biden, who who the fuck are you? I mean, you can't tell us grown women that we have to go get a vaccine because guess what? Then these people are going to have to go get it again in the fall. They don't know that yet, but that's coming. But I think what's interesting is that Getting a vaccine for an individual is a step that someone is taking based on their risk profile, and they're trying to mitigate the risk that they're going to be hospitalized and or die from the virus. So if somebody chooses to get vaccinated, you know, at, at what point does that, like, at what point are they still supposed to live in fear if you've done it? You know, I mean, you've done, you've you've taken the steps to protect yourself, just like the people who want to wear a mask and to do six feet and don't go near anyone and haven't seen people in a year. 
just like that, if somebody's taken responsibility and they said, I'm going to be responsible because I think a vaccine is good for me and I've gotten vaccinated and I've protected myself, there's literally no further, you know, there, there's nothing left right. that a person can do. People make their choices. If somebody doesn't want to get vaccinated, they don't, they're not at risk. Certainly young people and healthy people aren't at severe risk then, you know, it's right. like, is this a gift that we're being given? Is I mean, that's what the rhetoric is like. We're allowing this. And it's like, no, 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 you have it backwards. <laughs> you know, it's not like we're at zero freedom and then you give us some. It's that we're at 100% freedom and then you take it away. This is different, totally different. But Liz, you know this. There are at least, I mean, the majority of Americans who literally cannot hold a conversation about anything except COVID, face masks, and vaccines. Like any person you just talk to, that's like within the first few minutes, it's the it's like a conversation starter now. Hey, did you get the vaccine? Oh, yeah, I got the vaccine. Like, People are obsessed with this issue. But nothing, that's because nothing's going on in their lives because they're like, they're restricted by law in some states from going about their business. Now, I I know in small towns and in not hyper liberal metropolises, it's, it's like nothing's different for them. You know, they didn't, they didn't need to shut down, wipe all the businesses out, take kids out of school. So their right. lives were, were normal. But the people who are most important, and those are the people who live in L.A. and New York and Washington, D.C., they have been disrupted. Obviously. And so it but again, it's like all you can do is have somebody take response, be responsible for their choices. And once that's happened, I don't see where the government comes in anymore. I mean, I don't think the government comes in at the beginning either. People are free. If you if you don't want to get vaccinated, just like you don't have to get vaccinated for the flu, just like you don't have to get vaccinated for other things, shingles, whatever other things that they're vaccinating against when you're an adult, then I don't I, I just I don't see how the government has a role. And I don't I think it's perverse that our freedom is contingent upon getting a vaccine the way that Biden said it in his speech, because, you know, there's so many Karens and they're like, oh, you're not you're five feet away, not six feet away. And that mask isn't on your nose or, you know, whatever. Well, then those Karens will be able to take the step of vaccinating themselves. They're they're thus protecting themselves. So then it's like over. Game over. You're protected. So shut up. That's that's what I think. Well, then he reiterated it or whoever runs his Twitter account reiterated it after the speech. And listen to these tweets. We will issue further guidance on what you can and cannot do once fully vaccinated to lessen the confusion, keep people safe and encourage more people to get vaccinated. What what is it exactly you can't do once you're vaccinated? I guess we'll find out from uh, from dictator Biden. Finally, we need every American to do their part, including getting vaccinated when it's their turn, helping family, friends, neighbors get vaccinated. If we all do our part, then July 4th, there's a good chance, good chance folks will be able to gather with family and close friends to celebrate Independence Day. Julie, let me tell you, there is a 100% chance that I will be celebrating the 4th of July (laughs) with my friends and family, no matter what. No matter what. Well, I'm just saying there's only a good chance. So don't don't start putting down your invite list yet, Liz, because still could be canceled. So what did you think, Julie? I know you watched it. Mm -hmm. I watched it and I I had I was disappointed because at eight o'clock I watched Tucker. That's like my favorite thing all day is like I can sit and watch Tucker And so I had forgotten that the speech was at eight o'clock. So I go on to Tucker and then they have the little, they had a little box. Fox had this box of a live reaction of Tucker, which I was focusing on that and not focusing on Biden's speech because I just thought it was very dark. I didn't find it particularly uplifting or encouraging or optimistic. I just found it very dour and I just found found my mind wandering uh what what were your thoughts 
I mean, I think dark is a very accurate description of it. Um, you know, clearly he just struggles to read what's put on the teleprompter in front of him. And I tweeted out yesterday morning as a joke that I had a advanced copy of his speech because it it's basically the same sort of shtick that he's been saying for months now. And he did say that what I find the most galling is his standing up there taking credit for all of these vaccines, for the supply, for the production, congratulating the big pharma companies who produce these in such quick time and not even having the decency or just the graciousness to give one you don't even have to say Trump's name. You could just say predecessor, previous administration, you know, all the people who work tirelessly, whether you want the vaccine or not, whether you trust the vaccine or not, the bottom line is you had people working overtime for months to try to get this bypassed the normal government protocols and regulations. I just thought it was so Biden is not a good person. Okay, let's just say that I I don't care what people say. You know, I know he's been through loss, et cetera. Everyone's had some sort of loss, but that's not what a good, decent person who cares about the country. That's not how you behave. Uh, I just thought it was so classless and shameful of him to not give an ounce of credit. Um, But you actually do now see reporters in the media starting to call him out for refusing to give any credit to the Trump administration. Um, so that was my biggest takeaway. He's just. Well, let's hear Let's hear the clip and then we can talk some more about it. Oh, good. Two months ago, the country, this country didn't have nearly enough vaccine supply to vaccinate all or ever near all of the American public. But soon we will. We've been working with vaccine manufacturers, Pfizer, Moderna, Johnson & Johnson, to manufacture and purchase hundreds of millions of doses of these three safe, effective vaccines. And now, at the direction and with the assistance of my administration, Johnson & Johnson is working together with a competitor, Merck, to speed up and increase the capacity to manufacture new Johnson & Johnson vaccine, which is one shot. It's obvious that they're trying to memory hole Trump um, on the vaccine front. And I want to just say, I, I said this last week, I may have even said it several times before, there would be no vaccine if we did not have Donald Trump. A Hillary Clinton or a De- and a Democrat administration would never have rushed this vaccine through because They have an interest in keeping and using this, as Rahm Emanuel says, or one of the Emanuel boys, I think it was Rahm, never let a crisis go to waste. And we're already seeing what their plans are to take advantage of by dragging this out as long as possible. So there would be no President Hillary Clinton doing everything possible to get us back to normal by getting this vaccine. And so it is 100 percent Donald Trump that got this vaccine so fast and why there and there wasn't enough to vaccinate the entire country. The vaccine just got approved like two hours after Joe Biden won the election. Coincidentally, one. Right. Right. We're not allowed. You can't say that, Julie, because I'm sorry. We'll be deleted from all of the social media outlets. But you get my point. My, that that he wants to that Biden the well not Biden the Biden administration wants to memory hold Trump's involvement in getting this vaccine so fast to the public and that is because Trump wanted Americans to get back to normal as soon as possible and I don't think that we can say the same thing about the Democrats who have been languishing languishing in their control at the state level. And you can see how what, how angry this has made people by noting that Gavin Newsom is going to be recalled. They mm-hmm. they the people trying to recall the governor of California have two million signatures, which is way more than they need to get that on a ballot. And the governor of New York, who was like Jesus Christ during the Trump administration, he was just this invigorating, awesome person, this voice of sanity 
um, that was looked up. He won an Emmy for, I don't know, having his idiot press conferences. They've got a burn notice out on him. So mm-hmm. he's not long, right? He's got a train of women that apparently it's okay. You know, he's served his usefulness. So now we're allowed to talk about him playing grab ass with his subordinates. So, you know, um, that's what Democrats do with power. So this is a, a Donald Trump victory, 100%. And it's not, and you know me, I'm not a Trumpaholic. I'm not a whatever, some right. brain dead MAGA lover. I call, I, I call him out when he needs to be called out. But this is an actual victory and they're trying to steal it from him. It's disgusting. I do think that most Americans recognize that Biden is full of shit when he sits up there and tries to take credit for the vaccine. The bottom line is Operation Warp Speed was launched in May of 2020. I think the first Pfizer contract for 100 million doses was signed over the summer. Uh, $2 billion to Ching, to Pfizer, uh, who had their board members out like Scott Gottlieb, you know, rattling the panic porn about COVID for months before. So, but, and then Pfizer did their shady move around election time, delayed their final study, um, and then, of course, announced after election day that, um, oh, gee, look what we have. So, I do think that... um, And this is why I think some people are skeptical about the whole vaccine thing, because Biden is so hyper politicizing it. Um, But you're right, Liz. I mean, you yes, they Democrats are very smart uh, politically. They're vicious, evil people, but they're very smart. So now all of a sudden, here's a report by CBS News today, finally admitting that this virus is never going away. Um. Uh, Dr. Tom Friedman, who, as you know, I believe he used to run the FDA um, or former CDC yeah. director, yep. finally admitting. Now, listen, Liz, science researchers say there's simply no <laughs> track record of infectious diseases being completely eradicated. And everything about COVID-19 shows that it will not be different. The more infectious a microbe is, the harder it is to control, Tom Frieden finally says. COVID's very challenging, and the new variants suggest that we may end up playing a kind of cat and mouse. They point to flu and the measles as two diseases. No matter how hard you try, no matter how many vaccines you have, you cannot get rid of a virus. Duh. This is like science 101. Well, also science 101 is, I mean, Initially, we didn't know this, but pretty early on in the course of this, once this this poisonous virus came to our shores, we learned who is at risk. And we know that older people who are at risk, people who are immunocompromised are at risk. We know that people who are metabolically unhealthy, i.e. fat are Mm -hmm. and diabetic are at risk. And if we were really concerned about avoiding consequ- you know, deadly or dire consequences of the virus, we would be having a national conversation about getting people healthy, metabolically healthy. That's Are you right. diabetic? You need to go on a diet. Are you fat? You need to go on a diet. Is your immune system compromised? These are things you can do to boost your immune system, all of right. which are happen to be the opposite of what did happen. Because, you know, to boost your immune system, you got to get out, you got to get sun, you got to get vitamin D, you got to get exercise. Meanwhile, the opposite is happening and nobody's talking about the real science, which is what can we do to strengthen ourselves so that we're not, you know, adversely, overly adversely affected by by this disease or this virus. But we're not going to talk about that because we're I guess we're not allowed to talk about people being fat. So, no. Why are you fat shaming people? That's so rude. We're not allowed to do that. Terrible. Terrible. But I yes. think that's a good I think it's a good point. People, anyone who's reasonable and not intoxicated with the hyperpartisanship surrounding c- the coronavirus has to ask themselves, why aren't we emphasizing personal health and fitness and and you know, our 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 state in order to make people more resilient against the virus? And it's like off the table, it's off the table. So Well, I guess, you know, you could tell people how many people you can have at a barbecue on independence day, but you can't tell people lose 50 pounds. 
get healthy, go to a gym, go walk outside. You know, part of it, I believe, is because you have minority populations that have the highest percentages of obesity. That's why, say, the black community was hit harder than the white community because their obesity rates are higher and a lot more of them have diabetes. Exactly. Right. So that's why. But instead, remember, the, the way that that story was told was that minorities are adversely affected by COVID dot, 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 because the system is racist, not because they're, they, they tend to have more of these uh, comorbidities than other populations. That right. right. I mean, we heard, oh, well, you know, we got to get minorities. They're already skeptical of the vaccine. We need to get them their hardest hit, making it out like there's some some failure of our system instead of. And I'm not saying that's not true. I mean, there's certainly no doubt that there's disparity in the kind of healthcare people get based on class. But I would say it's based on class, not on race. So but th- but you are right, Julie, I think that we're not allowed to tell people we're fat. And we're also not allowed to point out that certain groups of people, you know, have similar, similar characteristics um, on the, on the, on the health front. We're not allowed to say that. Right. Right. We're not. Um, it's so, but I think people gradually people are, you know, I talked to, we have this really great local, you know, just locally owned Italian place, by us and it was the last place we went to last year before shutdown and so they stayed afloat luckily they did a ton of takeout um they defied towards the end the last uh, order by the illinois governor to keep restaurants shut down a lot of the independent restaurants just opened up they're like we're not a chain we have no choice we're staying open if people want to come in great and so um we went to him to see him like uh, last weekend and he said the place was really jammed and he said what's great is I'm seeing all of my old my former older customers coming in he said who I haven't seen in eight or nine months now the grandparents are coming in with their kids and their grandkids you know huge tables of families because they got their second vaccine and they finally feel safe to go out which great if that's your your security blanket that's totally fine but i do think that you have people who even have really bought into the the terror of this virus now getting the vaccine and they're going out and about which the beauty that the beauty, the shrewdness of the initial flatten the curve, which is was a year ago this weekend, was people had to be had nothing but either the television news or social media to look at as a distraction. Sports was closed. All the venues were closed. Shopping malls were closed. There was no way there was no diversion from brainwashing the masses with covid panic. And so. People, a lot of people obviously still clung to that, but now they're moving away from it. And as things open up and people get distracted with other things, they realize, okay, our life has to go on. That's not what these people want. Right. I I think that you nailed it where there was a captive audience and there was like a steady like IV drip of doom going into everyone's veins. Right. There were so many different kinds of stories that were being told, you know. First, we had the people that were putting bleach on their food. And remember the YouTube videos of people talking about how they, they, I guess, decontaminated groceries that they were going to drop oh, off in front I of know. their parents' house and all these different things. And this was going on all the time. And then we heard about the nurses, shut up and clap for the nurses. We heard about, we saw all the video from the emergency, some video from emergency rooms. This was going on, stories about people choking to death, just nonstop. All people could do is sit and doom scroll on the internet all day long for like eight months. People can't get toilet paper. There's no bleach, how to make hand sanitizer. You know, it's just like, it, it was so insane. And you're right, you know, there's no, all of our diversions from the the mundaneness of everyday life have been told were totally removed. And so I think this is, there's so, so many consequences psychologically to this, not just to kids, because that's, that's tremendous, but even to adults, you know, going through this, the true believers, you know, and there are people who are true believers and something that has to do with health, something that's 
what we traditionally consider the realm of a realm of expertise that the layperson doesn't have. You have no choice but to trust the the designated experts. So right. And and the average person doesn't realize that any senior official in the federal government is political or they wouldn't be there like not partisan, just political. You have to be a political operator to ascend in the structure of the bureaucracy, meaning that you aren't a practitioner. You know, you aren't someone who only cares about the patient. If you're a high level doctor, say at, you know, the CDC or the FDA or any of these other government agencies, but people don't know that. So they trust them. And you have these people, oh, I spent 30 years fighting AIDS. I'm in I'm an infectious disease doctor and blah, blah, blah. And so they had no, they believed it. And they were, and that was reinforced by just an IV drip of just mainlining doom and experts, CNN parading their clown doctors. Um, And then of course that was augmented by social media's complicity in wiping out anyone who said otherwise. Uh So even if you were spending a lot of time on Twitter or YouTube searching for answers or information, if somebody said, hey, that's not how viruses work, or hey, here's a nine cent pill called hydroxychloroquine, that's pretty effective. Um, <laughs> right. You know, that is immediately, that is not allowed. It's still not, they're still putting warnings on people's things, uh, you know, on people's posts to, to keep the public. I mean, it's such a gaslighting campaign. It's this, if it weren't so scary and serious, it would just be, it would be a aston- It just would be mo- astonishing that this was carried out. Yeah, it, um, <clears throat> it, it really is. And, uh, you know, but of course they are leveraging every political ounce, penny, trillion dollars of, uh, at, advantage out of this. So Biden signed the $1.9 trillion COVID quote unquote relief package, uh, signed it in like a one minute ceremony on Thursday afternoon, of course, refused to take any questions. But this is part of the payoff, the kickbacks to Democratic constituencies, obviously the teachers unions, blue state bailouts now who suddenly, uh, you know, they're they're longtime red being in the red. Now, all of a sudden they're going to be in the black. Thanks to us. Apparently, there's a provision in there where farmers who are minorities get like four billion dollars in buy-offs but white farmers don't like what are we South Africa or something can that get can there be can that be litigated because that just seems blatantly racist and that's the federal government I mean we're not talking about private party doing that you're literally saying the federal government right is is discriminating based on race right I mean I guess you could but whoever would sue would obviously be a racist or a white supremacist, well, possibly. You're right, Julie. I they could be that, an right. extremist domestic terrorist, too. So got to be careful. That's right. You're right, Julie. That's a good point. It's it's disgusting that all that money is, and only mm-hmm. like 9% of it is actually going to people whose lives were ruined. Right. Um, this has been kind of a, overall, this horrific event has been a real opportunity for people who are red-pilled to just see all of the villains rise to the occasion. You know, now we've got $2 trillion, only a fraction, less than 10% is go, are going to actual people who have been damaged by mm-hmm. the government's actions. And then you have these, I don't even know a good word to describe these hateful teachers who do not want to go back to work at all. And last week, the head of the LA teachers union was busted for putting up some warning on a private Facebook group to her colleagues saying, look, if you're going away to spring break, please don't post pictures of your Mm -hmm. vacation because, you know, it's hard for us to, you know, claim it's too dangerous to go to work when you're in Cabo at Senor Frogs drinking tequila, you know, Um, (laughs) we're really, we're really seeing that, like I said, the villains have risen to the occasion, you know, Uh, if you, if you know what to look for and we've not been disappointed I think that's one of Trump's greatest accomplishments is really just blowing any cover that these people had to being anything other than just partisan. 
It is. And I mean, there are plenty of Republicans who have acted just as badly as Democrats through this pandemic. I mean, you have Republican governors like Mike DeWine, who absolutely refuses to let go of this uh, coronavirus hysteria, because, of course, that's how he's getting attention for himself. And so but it does. It is gratifying. You see what's happening to Gavin Newsom. And now Andrew Cuomo is really in the crosshairs, even by Democrats. Um, Jerry Nadler just came out with a statement demanding that he step down. Um, And so it's going it's hard to see how Cuomo survives this. But I do hope because, of course, none of these people will ever face any kind of trial to what they've done to our country. And I'm not just talking about the politicians. But obviously, people like Anthony Fauci, Deborah Burks, Robert Redfield, uh, Jerome Adams, a former Surgeon General, all the terrible advice, all the destruction that they caused, they'll never go on trial for it. Obviously, Fauci was all over the shows again last night. Um, But I do hope, to the extent we still have some modicum of a fair election, that they will pay a significant price politically. Uh, because obviously political power is the only thing that they care about. So taking that away from them, I hope, will be some sort of just punishment. Well, Cuomo's definitely <clears throat> going to be deep-sixed. That is just an amazing case study mm-hmm. in how ruthless the Democrats are. When he was useful as a foil against Trump, you know, I know Democrats who would would not watch the Trump press conference. This was early on because remember early on they had a press conference every day with Trump and then their, their experts, all of whom are probably still working for the CDC and the FDA now. Although I think Burke's retired, but most of the people don't, you know, the president only appoints a small fraction of the federal workforce. So the CDC and the FDA are pretty much the same, mm-hmm. no matter who is in the administration. But but Trump had a press conference every single day. Fauci was there. Burks was there. Redfield was there. Jerome Adams was there. Geror was there. All of the experts that were involved, like at the top of their committees, were all there every single day. And the media never asked any legitimate questions to them as if they were really interested in getting important information out to the public. So instead of asking Fauci or Burks about science, they would ask, why aren't you wearing a mask, President Trump, right? (laughs) And at the same time, that clown show was going on and people and CNN refused to air, air it. They refused to broadcast the press conferences because, you know, Trump was coming off looking really good. At the same time, they were elevating Cuomo, who sounds like a fucking mafioso, right? He just sounds like a smarmy sleaze bucket. Mm-hmm. He was go, and they would lionize. I mean, regular Democrat Democrats I know were, oh, I love Cuomo. He's so, you know, he's so smart, and he's doing this the right way. Meanwhile, he's so sexy, he's a serial killer. He's <laughs> killing old people. They had the highest death rate, and there was no no accountability for him and now they're done with him. So they're just going to throw him away. You know, they're just, he served his purpose because they don't want to deal with Cuomo as a Democrat challenger. So they need to neutralize him right now. He is a threat to the Obama slash Biden air quotes operation. That's running the administration right now. And so they need to neutralize him. And that's why they got rid of him. It's a fast. It's a very interesting phenomenon. I wonder if the average person asks themselves, you know, it's so weird. All these women are just coming forward right now. Like right. what was going on five years ago or 10 <laughs> years ago? You know, right. did anyone know this? So. So what do you think is going to happen to him? Because he is just such a megalomaniac. Like he's going to have to go, Julie, he's going to give a press conference and he's going to say, no, there's he can't stay. And and because they because. okay, so let me make an analogy between the governor of the state I live in, Governor Blackface Northam or not. We don't know if he's the Blackface (laughs) or the Klan, dude. Okay, so uh, uh, it's still a mystery. We still don't know. But a couple years ago, a photograph from uh Governor Northam's medical school yearbook um, appeared. He is either he's it is a picture of a clan, a person in a clan hood, not 
unambiguous, right? Not a ghost for Halloween clan, right? And a, totally someone in minstrel blackface. And I don't mean like bronzer. I mean like Al Jolson, okay? Yes. 100%. Right. Like really black, really black. 100% unequivocally, not ambiguous, blackface and clan member. And we don't know. One of them is him. We can't get clarity which one. And of course, this there was an uproar of it. And he was like, I'm not going anywhere. And he just sat and waited it out. But the difference was that Cuomo has people turning against him much more than Northam did. Like, this is going to be pounding him. He's not going to, it's not going to stop. Like, the story with Northam went away after, like, a week. But every day, there's new women coming out with Cuomo stuff. There's investigations. Now the um, Senate or the legislature in New York is going to open up an inquiry. This is, there's nowhere for him to go. He's going to have to leave. Whereas with Northam, you know, he could just sit it out or they'll impeach him and he'll be embarrassed. So he's going to come out and say that this misunderstanding has been a terrible distraction for the good people of New York who deserve blah, 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 blah. That That's what's going to happen. You watch next week. We'll be here. And I'll say, remember last week, Julie, when I said this going to happen. I will. I will. I am going to say, I am going to commend you oh. for your prescience. Preciency. Oh. <laughs> I like um, that word. Preciency. Um, so that's going to be really exciting and a happy moment to observe um what else should we talk about what's going on with tucker carlson since that's our the the girls in the military the gals in the military you know liz i didn't know everyone was so upset i watch tucker every night it's like the one light at my tunnel is of the day is i'm just trudging i'm trudging through my work you know, calls, writing, this, that, and the other, just so I can relax and watch Tucker at night. So when everyone was up in arms, I didn't know what thing Tucker had said that upset them because I didn't really find what he said particularly offensive. So I was like, wait, what are people, what, what's this? Right, right. <laughs> so obviously the people who were enraged, including members of the military, you had the spokesperson for the department, uh, the Defense Department, come out and condemn Tucker for what? You had this. That's fat- normal. That's it- totally normal. Yeah, this well, is fine. This remember is fine. when Trump used the military for his own, as his own personal, you know, junta or whatever you? I mean, that's what they said about him. Remember when they were going well, we to want to impeach him? the church for. <laughs> They wanted to impeach him for that. You know, the military is not your private bodyguard. It's not your political guard. Well, here you actually have top military officials blasting Tucker Carlson for a very rational thing that he said, which basically was like, wait, we're going to have pregnant women in combat roles. Why do we have flight suits for pregnant women? That doesn't sound like a very good idea. But they, of course, they turned that into Tucker Carlson hates women. He doesn't want women in the military, which was not what he said. But you had this whole uproar, and he actually addressed it on his show Thursday night. And they just, it's amazing to see all of these interests just after him every single week. Well, the, st- the news story becomes Tucker Carlson instead of what Tucker Carlson said. Okay, so the the news cycle is now, oh, Tucker, he hates the military, he's a misogynist. Um, And that's the that's the actual story that we're hearing about. We're not hearing about why are we having pregnant women like in combat or right in act on active duty? I mean, that I'm not a big fan of women in combat. I'm sure there are things in the large military industrial complex that women can do that aren't related to like frontline battle, like on the ground, boots on the ground, fighting and gunfire. I'm not a fan of that, but there's to have a pregnant woman, like actually (laughs) in some kind of battle theater or Uh, flying fighter jets. I mean, what kind of, what, how 
fucked is our culture if that's where we are? If we consider it a quality to put a pregnant woman, you know, in a in a a a, a, pla- a war plane, it's right. ridiculous. Right. I mean, no one could defend that. <clears throat> and if you are a person, actually, I mean, I didn't serve in the military. I obviously I have family members who did, but. If you're in some kind of combat situation, what exactly is a six-month pregnant woman going to do to help you? And how is that even safe for the baby? You can't ride a roller coaster if you're pregnant after a certain point, right? Right. You can't get on an airplane if you're pregnant past a certain point. But but I think getting even more fundamental, the fact that this accommodation for whatever – the purpose of it is, is held up as some, as some virtue, because that was really Tucker's point was like, why is this something worth showcasing? You know, if, when you think of military battles and in the past, our heroes in the military, we think of bravery and battles and fighting. And now what are we doing with our military? Oh, we have big jumpsuits. So people who are, you know, seven months pregnant can, you know, go to work. It's like, what has happened? That isn't the purpose of the military. The purpose of the military isn't, isn't, um, you know, a self-esteem boosting operation. It's not. And I think Tucker made a good point that we're not talking about because now we're talking about Tucker and using all the adjectives that the cathedral has decided are the proper words we're allowed to use to talk about Tucker's idea. It's screwed up. I do think, I do think what he did though, is bring attention to what's happening in our military, which is the, you know, the woke culture has had the military for a while, but now you see how it's infiltrated our military and by the way, hey, fat Marine guy who lectured Tucker Carlson and mocked him for never serving in the military. Guess who else didn't? Joe Biden. I think he took five deferrals for Vietnam, but I guess, you know, he can be a commander in chief. Tucker Carlson can't say we can't say anything about the military unless we've served in the military. We could pay for the military, but we can't say anything derogatory about the military. Hey, fat Marine guy, as Jack Posobiec is calling him, and uh, the spokesman for the Defense Department, do you see that we're being invaded at our southern border? Does anyone in the military care about that? Or you're just upset with Tucker for saying something about uh, maternity flight suits? Well, they're too busy getting the QAnon, Pepe the Frog, white supremacists, <laughs> three percenters or whatever those groups are. But we're, they're, we're, they're rooting them out. And that was yet another pre, pre, pretense, the January 6th. Protest is the pretense to further cripple our military and turn them into a bunch of pussies. That is a pretense as well, and we're, it's already well on the way to being there. You could tell by the outrage and the and the flouncing of these military people, just so offended that Tucker would wonder why we're excited that we are having pregnant women serve, as if that's a virtue. And so. The U.S. Um, Army's Twitter account yesterday spent all day tweeting out photos of female soldiers. That's what our U.S. Army, whoever's directing the social media account, that's what they were doing yesterday. Now, there were no. We're going to be like, I don't know why we haven't been invaded yet. I mean, we're going to be invaded in like five years. I mean, between this, these like snowflakes um, and these like pasty white, you know, people that have been hostage for a year that are even more unhealthy than they were when it started from lack of exercising and sunlight. Um, You know, I don't, I don't, we're just ripe to be taken over. And now we're showcasing, like, it's just, just contrast that with like the shows of Chinese military strength that we see on TV (laughs) when they're celebrating. There's like hundreds of thousands of like men in, you know, all in their uniforms in perfect harmony, walking around with their weapons and, we have like a kumbaya drum circle now in the, mil- the military. It's like a drum circle now. It's just gross. It's totally it's gross. gross. And add to that the scenes of January 6th of our lawmakers who, of course, send our military into wars, never ending wars in the Middle East and dangerous places around the world, hiding under their desks. Mitt Romney running away from some imaginary furry. There was never under any kind of threat 
How embarrassing is it? I don't think we've ever had a time where America looks more weak. I, I can't think of a time that we've looked weaker. Maybe under Jimmy Carter. I don't know. At least then the military still had some teeth to it. But well, at least there was there was enough and um, uh, I guess emphasis or the desire to to get away from that weakness of Jimmy Carter. Now, you know what what's the consequence of this? Like, how is that going? How is it going to change? You know, we're going to further you know, pussify the military when they're rooting out, you know, I don't know, people who are patriots and know that sing the national anthem or whatever, because they're a threat. Um, what, how, how is, who's going to change it? How's it going to change? I think we saw the resistance to that when, during the Trump administration, when Trump is elected, we have a Republican Congress and Senate technically or theoretically, and Trump would say things and they would just ignore him. And the officials, defense officials lied to him about the number mm-hmm. of troops in Afghanistan. So he couldn't, you know, he couldn't fulfill his, what he campaigned on, which is the, what the will of the people was. So, you know, not only do I think, I, I don't know if we have the public spirit to, to reverse course, but we certainly don't have the support of the apparatus to do it. So no, that doesn't make me optimistic. This show is anything but optimistic. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> I couldn't help but like put that in there. By the way, there's more breaking news on the Cuomo front. This this will finish him for sure. Guess who just came out to demand that he resign? Oh, God. Megan McCain? I'm just kidding. <laughs> I'm sorry. That was low. I could that was mean. Um, Who's the most powerful politician in New York? Um, Schumer. No. Uh, oh, de Blasio. I don't look. I don't know that shit. De Blasio, Schumer, um, fat. What's his guy? Nadler. Little. Midget we already Nadler. have Nadler. De Blasio already said the same thing. I, I can't. I'm, I'm going to make I'm going to force. Oh, is you. it Hillary? Oh, is it Hillary? No. Nope. Close. Close. Bill. Nope. Oh, OK. You got to tell me. We'll be here for an hour. You're going to be so mad you didn't get this. AOC. Oh, my God. Oh, OK. Yeah. You know yep. what? You're right. You're like, totally. That was like such an easy one. Damn. Oh, my gosh. OK. Uh, AOC says after two accounts of sexual assault, four accounts of harassment, attorney general investigation finding the governor's claim hid nursing home data and the legis- from the legislature in public. We agree that the governor must resign. Apparently, she's not pissed off about the 15,000 plus nursing home residents he helped kill. But, uh, you know, that's just astonishing the way that this has manifested that now it's like the green light to go after Cuomo when two months ago there was no, you know, six months ago. How long ago was it when they announced he was getting an Emmy? Like he didn't he just accept it or something a month ago or two months ago? He was rewarded for his I don't know what the book he read or his book on tape or his press conference or didn't they invent a category to give him an Emmy? I think they did. I think they did. And then like on a dime, Julie, they just switch and it's like, let's go for the jugular. Just if anyone thinks that this is in any way an example of legitimately being concerned about sexual harassment among a superior and a subordinate, do not believe that for one second. You saw right. the same thing dismissed and and um, you know, ignored by the media and the establishment when Bill Clinton was literally you know getting serviced by an intern, which is the dictionary definition of sexual harassment in the workplace. And right. they do not really care about this issue unless it serves them. And and this and is look, a great example of that. Let's be honest. I obviously I detest Andrew Cuomo. I wrote my first article condemning his handling of the coronavirus uh, on March 26th of 2020 when everyone I'm not bragging, but I'm just saying everyone was in swoon. You and I were like one of maybe nine people who were against us from the start. But um, he some of these allegations against him are sketchy as hell. Let's just say it like him giving you a creepy hug and you're a grown woman and what you think that's some kind of sexual harassment. It, it's not. I mean, I read well, some of these things like sort of laughing, like, come on, lady, grow up. Like, right, not- but it's not about but it's not about 
legitimacy. Exactly. You know? Right. This is not about, I mean, I haven't read the details of the complaints. I've, I've seen it here and there. Um, so, I mean, there's definitely, we've taken a, we've moved in the direction where, in sec, where sexual harassment is concerned, where we just validate a subjective interpretation of event that, you know, the a actual agent involved in the event it d had no intention of the way that it was perceived. So it, but it doesn't matter because this isn't actually about sexual harassment or uh, mistreating your employees. This is not, this is, it is now politically useful to get rid of him and any accusation made against him, however small is going to be elevated and validated and used against him because he is not valuable anymore. It's full stop. Because again, some of these complaints are, they're not new. It's not like, oh, in the last two weeks, he's been doing this. Some of these are old. Look, this is a party that hung out with Jeffrey Epstein and everybody knew what was going on with him and they had no problem. Or Harvey Weinstein. You know, one of the funny things about the Me Too, the Me Too movement or Time's Up or whatever is the people that have been, caught up in this dragnet are all Democrats, you know? Yes, it's exactly like, right. Yep. It's all you. It's you. It's you and your people that are doing this. Right. So, well, I don't know. Um, before we go, let's, so it's nice to see these Democratic governors on the rope. They're trying so desperately to attack Ron DeSantis in Florida. They have a couple hit pieces out on him, but, um, you know, people with common sense recognize that why they're doing that. Um, but we now see, as you just brought up the January 6th, the Capitol breach investigation, the DOJ is, is undertaking Merrick Garland was sworn in this week. Not by the president wasn't there. Kamala Harris was there because she is really the president. And um, but interesting, Liz, it looks like Portland is on fire again. And you have mm -hmm. Antifa people okay. now setting, trying to set the courthouse on fire, attacking police officers. Uh, you have more mayhem back in that city. So it's going to be interesting to see. Of course, now we've heard nothing today by any Democratic politician or the Justice Department about what's happening in Portland, attacking federal officers, attacking federal property. Merrick Garland says that's not the same as the Capitol building because what happened on January 6th was an assault on our democracy. Apparently, that doesn't apply to the Portland federal courthouse or police officers there or federal employees who work there. So it's, you know. This is why the January 6th thing is so clarifying, because people recognize not just how it's treated so differently than everything that happened last year. But, you know, we're going to not just see what's happening in Portland. It's going to happen again in Seattle, Minneapolis, regardless of what happens with the trial of George Floyd, which we didn't even get to the jury selection process going on right now, regardless of what happens, that city is going to go up in flames again. Yeah, and it's going to be treated in total like you're you're right. It's going to be treated totally different. It's going to be treated as justified because the elite class believes that it is justified, and that's all that matters. Um, there there have been continual attacks in Portland going on. It's just not getting any media. Um, it, and it's being ignored. And it's a federal building, and there were people inside of it. I believe last night when they were trying to burn it down, set it on fire, whatever the hell they're doing. Um, you know, and it's just, it's not a big deal. It's, and meanwhile, deal. there's there's reporter reporting uh, that came out last week that the Justice Department is dropping almost all of the federal cases that they have for Portland Antifa terrorists. Right. But don't worry, because the 18-year-old high school senior from Georgia who lives on a farm, he's behind bars. So, America, you are safe because the high Venice. schooler who, yeah, who walked the halls Venice. of the Capitol. Yep. Threat, threat to our democracy, as they say. I wonder... I wonder what the effect of this is on the casual observer, if we even have any casual observers yeah, anymore. I mean, I think half the population just doesn't even know. Um, and some and they don't know that the people aren't being um, the charges were dropped among the rioters and they don't they don't 
even really know, some of them probably don't even know that there was a federal building that federal buildings and federal, I think in Seattle, didn't they try and blow up an ice, um, yes, like an ice right. building right. and someone was killed themselves doing that. And a lot of people don't even know that that's happening because it doesn't get any media. You know, you would think that arson and explosives and attacks on law enforcement would get attention, but it's not. And a lot of people don't know there was like literally a hundred days and over 200 riots in the country this summer. <clears throat> and we don't hear about it. And instead, all we hear about is <clears throat> this capital six, you know, insurrection protests, whatever riot, I don't know what it is. And I think that people see that there's a disparity and that is not good for the Republic um, when no. people believe that there are two sets, two sets of justice being, you know, two standards of justice being applied. That is that's a very bad place to go. Um, and it's so blatant. And you're right, Julie, we are 100 percent going to see whatever. Look, it doesn't matter what the jury decides in the George Floyd case. It doesn't shit is going to get burned down. There's going to be, that's right. It's just going to, it's, it doesn't matter. It doesn't matter. I, I saw yesterday that the judge is allowing the introduction of a third degree murder charge. I'm not a lawyer. So I, I know basically the nuance difference between a manslaughter and murder. Um, I think it has to do with the amount of like intention and planning involved. Or a number of victims but, or something, right? But it doesn't matter. If they convict him of third degree murder, it's if people are it's not going to be enough. It's not going to be enough. And there's going to be things are going to burn down. And I read I think it was a couple weeks ago that officials in Minneapolis are talking to business owners downtown and telling them, like, you need to contact your insurance company, you know, to let to find out what they're willing to cover. At, this is before, you know, hey, this is like they know it's going to happen. They, they know it's going to happen and it's going to happen because the first time it happened, there were no consequences for doing it. So it's 100 percent going to happen again. And again, there'll be no consequences for that either. And it's probably going to be downplayed. That's exactly right. And so the whole idea that Merrick Garland says that he's going to have an apolitical Justice Department is a joke. Um, we know Lisa Monaco, Garland got 20 Republican votes, by the way, including of course, Mitt Romney, the usual suspects. I'm surprised by Ben Sass. He did not vote to approve him, to confirm him. Um, but Lisa Monaco is going to be confirmed as his number two, who she, of course, was an Obama loyalist who helped concoct the whole Russian interference collusion hoax. Uh, she's a virulent anti-Trumper. Uh, she basically will be in charge of DOJ because Merrick Garland is like a Robert Mueller and then put some other people, this awful Vanita Gupta, um, who she may actually not get confirmed because she was pretty beat up in the confirmation hearings this week. Um, but anyway, yes, we're going to see a lot more very stark comparisons between in 2021, just like we saw in 2020, how these people, the insurrectionists are being treated versus the real threat to the country. And it is going to be an interesting lesson indeed. We'll see how this affects the midterm elections. Um, I'm sure you noticed that Trump has been rattling his saber um, and good for him. Um, I think he sent a letter to the RNC and the committees telling them not to use his name anymore, which I love. He should have done that. Oh, God, that was so great. Won the election. Um, <clears throat> but that is good that is a smart move for him so he can control who his he's getting um you know who he's endorsing that's so important and you know he's already come out and made some endorsements which is which is great so yeah um i'm i'm i think it's going to be it's just going to get more interesting as they say we live in interesting times we sure do liz Thank God we have the happy hour podcast to flush it all out, entertain our listener, inform our listener, and most importantly, entertain each other. That's true. So thank you 
listener for joining us for an hour today. We will be back next week. Don't forget to subscribe to us on iTunes and leave us a good review, like five, five stars. We want five stars and um, tell your friends, post it on your Facebook page or, well, we don't like social media, but we'll, we'll shamelessly plug our show. So place it on Facebook and Twitter and talk about how great our show is, how it made your week. And we will be back next Friday for more happy hour. Thanks for listening to Happy Hour with Julie and Liz. We'll see you next week.